Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. So our scripture today is coming from uh, Romans 12, 9 through 21. And I'll read it from the English Standard Version because I believe that's the closest version to the King James. Just a disclaimer. (laughs) So um, starting on chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never do what is honorable, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will, pray, will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so... You will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Once again, we thank you, Lord, for this day, and we just open our hearts to you so you can be seated. Um, So this morning, um, I want to show you guys something that I got going on here. So when I was growing up, um, we lived in a trailer house most of the time. So we didn't always get the nicest of the nice. So I'm sure everybody knows that these are, they eat them. Right? The twists and shouts and Oreos. So if I sent you to the store to get some Oreos, how many of you would come back with this? Hey, amen. All right, come on now. (laughs) All right, so we got a couple out there to understand the struggle. (laughs) And there's some people that do struggle, and they're like, well, I ain't struggling that bad. (laughs) But I was going to have somebody come up here and eat it, but Danny's not here, so I can't put him on blast today. (laughs) I won't put you on blast, Lily. (laughs) But um, Oreos and Twists and Shouts, you can imagine, they don't, they don't taste the same. Could we agree on that? Um, <laughs> so we could, we could even say the same about, like, I love Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew, but Dr. Thunder and what did you say it was, Amber? Mountain Lightning? It's not the same. Like, I mean, hey, I, <laughs> I settle where I have to settle at, but it's not the same. It's not the same flavor. It's not the same taste. It's not the same label. So this morning, I didn't come here to discriminate on cookies. (laughs) Um, I didn't come up here to speak down on off-brand products, just on off-brand people. So, and I'm not here to speak down on people. 
um, I'm just here to uplift and to help us realize some things that may be authentic. So um, <laughs> I'll share, if, if most of you guys didn't know, I worked at John Deere for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years, somewhere between there. I get lost now, but <laughs> I worked there for a long time. And um, my favorite conversation that I would have with people is they would, it was always the older gentlemen, you know, Vince, they come up there with their hat on. They're like, hey, them, uh, them John Deere's, they sell at Lowe's. They're not the real deal, are they? I, I, know they're, I know they're not. And I was like, you know, sure, they're not. And I would be at Lowe's talking with this gentleman wearing a John Deere uniform, putting them together. No, they're not real. It's all image. But they, they have believed so much by what people had told them that they were fake. They were made in the same factory as every other one that was made in, as the same machine. <laughs> so now you know some information that that John Deere is still the same. So... But however, um, it never seemed that even though me, a licensed, a master mechanic for John Deere at that time, could not convince them otherwise that it, it wasn't the same. Now, yeah, you weren't buying the Cadillac, so it's like going to a Chevrolet dealership versus a GMC dealership. You know, you weren't, you weren't buying the, the GMC, you were buying the Chevrolet, but it still was a Chevrolet. So... I do want to talk to you guys today, if you can't see where I'm going to, I want to talk to you about the title of authenticity. I want to talk to you about being real, which is hard to find out these days. Lord have mercy. Um, <laughs> see, um, when people check things that are authentic, they typically go by certain characteristics to check the authenticity of something. So they authenticate it. So when they check gold, it goes under a microscope to be investigated. How many of us want our lives under a microscope to be investigated to see if we're real? So when they, when they check um, different jewels and they, they tell you the clarity of it, you know, like when you're going to buy your wife that, that good, what's that called, cubic zirconium, that fake one? <laughs> you want to make sure it looks as close to the real thing. But no, you, they tell by the blemishes <laughs> under the microscope. So... A lot of teens now these days, if you can't tell, their shoes usually cost more than a pair of tires on a car. <laughs> and there's a big sneaker kick. I'm, I'm part of it. I'm guilty as charged. I, I really want to buy some just for today, but I had to withhold. <laughs> but um, there's a big sneaker kick that's going around. And the way that they check is there's so many knockoffs of these sneakers. There's so many knockoffs. I have a pair. I'm guilty as charged. I have a knockoff pair of Yeezys. They're like four or five hundred dollars shoes. I paid a hundred dollars for mine, and they wear just the same. Now they might click when I step the wrong way, but they they wear just the same. So when they um when they go to check these shoes because people buy them and sell them all the time, and they try to mix in the fakes so people can get more money. And the way that they check these shoes is when you take them to a person that is, is knowledgeable about these shoes is they look, first of all, for a label. They look for the label on that shoe to see if the label's any good. And then the second thing they look for is the source. They look to see if the source is reputable, if it came from a reliable source. And then lastly, the thing that they check is the smell of it. They smell the shoe. You know, somebody wearing a shoe all day, you think it stink, right? <laughs> but they smell those shoes because a real, genuine Jordan 1 or, you know, the Yeezys, whatever it may be that you have, gives off a certain aroma. So something that's authentic gives off a sweet aroma. Now, 
there's not many people around that can tell you whether or not it's genuine or whether or not it's fake. Not everybody knows what to look for. And we're starting to lose that in the church. We're starting to lose some of our saints. We're starting to lose some of the ability that the Holy Spirit's gifted us to tell when somebody fake comes in here and they try to lead us astray. Or when they, not necessarily here, but any church or anywhere out in public. And we're starting to lose that. And we need more of those people to rise up. So that's what I'm here today to speak to you about, is to ask you to rise up so we can tell the difference between what's real and what's fake. Because God warned us, the end times are coming, and that false prophets will rise up. And we have to be careful. We have to be extremely careful. Um, <laughs> some of those people are just smoking mirrors. That's, I, I, love, I love watching certain uh, preachers speak and different... Um, things, you know, people talk, and I was, <laughs> I was watching a certain preacher, I ain't gonna say his name, I had to, I gotta put on my filter a little bit, I'm not gonna say his name, but, um, I was watching him speak, and everything that this man says is, you know, sunshine and rainbows, and I was like, man, I said, this, this dude just never teaches a convicting message, and I struggled with that myself, because I want to tell a message that makes you guys, oh, man, you know, Justin, that was awesome, that was great, however, I could not get away from this sermon. I, I, couldn't get, I couldn't shake it. The Holy Spirit wouldn't allow me to, to get away from talking about being real versus being fake. So once again, we're talking about authenticity. And I'm going to, you guys stay with me. I promise I'm taking you somewhere good. And we'll end up there all together. And hopefully, hopefully, y'all don't beat me out the door. So... I want to talk about a couple different biblical characters. If my cookies are making y'all hungry, I can move them. Y'all good? Okay. <laughs> so I want to talk about a couple different biblical characters that were, in my, in my eyes and in the eyes of the, in, in the Bible, were authentic. Um, there was a story of Jericho and the walls of Jericho that came down. But leading up to that story of Jericho, there were scouts that were sent in by the nation of Israel. And when they were sent in to Jericho to go scout it out, they were being hunted, and they found refuge in none other than the house of a prostitute. Now, I don't have, I, that's what the Bible exactly calls it, so that's what I call it. They found refuge in the house of a prostitute. Now, if I was trying to find refuge somewhere and I ran up in a house like that right now, I'd probably be frowned upon. <laughs> but, however, during this time, they found refuge in the house of the prostitute. And whenever they, um, they found refuge, she protected them and kept them from being killed or captured. Amongst that, she said there was one contingency, that her family and herself, she would, they would be spared when the nation was overcome. So, as you know, the story continues on that the walls of Jericho came crumbling down and her and her family were saved. And she turned over to following the God that the Israel, children of Israel were following. So, and I got to thinking, that's a whole nother rabbit trail, is that we can build up walls like Pastor Heather and Aaron have been talking about inside of our life, but no matter the, the walls that we build up and the things that we do inside those walls, God's love will always prevail. And so... We see that the real person in that story that kept them safe was a woman that would have been frowned on upon today's society. So I want to shift gears to another biblical story. Um, everybody knows the story of David. If you don't, he's a, a great warrior. Um, and he becomes king of Israel. And 
it's just it's an awesome story. If you have a chance, go and read it. It starts in, I believe, First Samuel. Could be wrong. Um, and continues on with Saul and David and everything that goes on. But, however, David's one of my favorite stories. That's another thing. But amongst David's life, he does some wrong things. We know that he, uh, he sleeps with a, with a married woman, and he ends up trying to kill her husband and so on and so forth. And he doesn't see no fault in his eyes. But, however, there's a good friend by the name of Nathan the prophet. He comes along. And Nathan says this. Nathan says, David, there's a story of two men, a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had many sheep, while the poor man only had one little lamb. He loved dearly and treated like his own child. When the traveler came to the rich man, instead of slaughtering one of his own many sheep, he slaughtered the one lonely little sheep the man had. And he said he prepared for that traveler to eat, and he took that poor man's sheep. And David responded with great anger to Nathan, and surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he, had, he did such a thing and had no pity. Nathan replied, as a good friend, you're that man. That's you. And sometimes we hate to hear that. But that's what an authentic friend does is they call you out. They tell you what's real. And I think that's, that's become a thing where we want to hear what tickles our ears. We absolutely, we want somebody to tell us, oh, man, you, you're doing an absolute great job, you know, and they're trying to build a house, and you know it's going to fall on them. You know it can kill them. But just because you don't want them to be mad at you, you'd rather lie to them than to tell them that, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And much the same, we'll be held accountable for not, answering to our friends when they're doing something wrong. We'll be held accountable for that one day. And I think that's something that we usually forget is that we'll have to answer for the decisions that we make. So that's, that's what authentic friend is. And I'd, I'd have to say between Nathan the prophet and between Rahab the prostitute, there's some real people out there and they come in all different shapes and sizes. Just because you see somebody that may be struggling doesn't mean that they're not genuine and that their love is not genuine and that what they're asking you for or begging you for out there on the road is not genuine. So they just might be in a different place than all of us. So authenticity, that was just preparatory. We'll get into the real meat of the sermon here. My, my job, like I said today, is to come here and talk to you about being real versus being fake. And I want to talk to you about how to make sure that you have authentic faith, that your faith is very genuine, it's very real. So there's three points that I, I want to present to you guys to take into consideration about having authentic faith. Um, the first point being, these are not going to be on the screen, I'm not that fancy. <laughs> so the first point being is we have to we have to pray we have to fast we have to stay in communication with God um if you don't stay in communication with God you'll find yourself lost real quick we don't have no problem punching in a GPS and listening to what whatever the GPS tells us where to go and where to turn so we need to do the same thing in our prayer life we need to punch in our coordinates and hey God here's my heart tell me where how I need to get to your heart and so we have to stay in constant communication. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation, because the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And what are we made of? Flesh. So we're made of flesh. 
Our spirit dwells within us. The flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we have to stay in constant prayer and communication in order to be sure that our faith is authentic. Skipping, oh, skipping, <laughs> going to the next point. Uh, point number two, this is where we're going to get most of our sermon for today, is we have to operate under the authority of Jesus. We have to operate under the authority of Jesus. And the only way we can do that is by this beautiful thing right here, whether it be on your cell phone or however, I'm, you know, I don't judge. <laughs> but we have to do it with, this, with the Bible. That's the only way that we can operate under the authority of Jesus. The Bible instructs us and tells us what we need to do and how we need to do it. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So you're not equipped for good work until you read this Bible until you hear God's voice. And if you want to hear God's voice, you hear it right here in this Bible. I have a lot of folk that are like, man, God came to me. He spoke to me very audibly, very loud. And I'm like, that's awesome. Hey, that's great. <laughs> I don't know if it's really because the military messed up my hearing that bad, but I don't, I don't hear God's voice that way. When I hear God's voice, I hear in this. I, I, I read my Bible and I hear God's voice speaking to me and telling me what I need to do and instructing me along the path and the ways that I must go. So back to our scripture, Romans 12 Verses 9 through 21. This is the marks of a true Christian. It says, let love be genuine. Let your love be real. I, there's people that say, hey, I love you. And it just rolls off the tongue so fast that it's just you, you're questioning whether or not it's real. And it tells us there in the Bible that says, let love be genuine. And abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. So. All these things that is instructing us inside the Bible in Romans chapter 12, you can find it throughout all the Bible where it instructs us to do different things. But this is the basis of it is let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. When we operate under this that the Lord's outlined for us, we don't have to look to man for validation. Um, that's... That's a struggle of mine, is I would always look for validation from man, whether or not I was doing something right or whether or not I was doing something wrong. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they think. It matters if I did the work of God. And that's who validates what I do. And as long as I'm doing it according to his word, then everything that is done has already been validated. And that's something I think we all struggle with. We look, for, we look to please certain people. You know, there's nothing wrong at all, hear me out, with getting up in the morning and getting dressed and looking pretty and looking beautiful. Some of you, most of you, are naturally good at it. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong at all with, with doing that. But however, when we take it to the stream that we have to have this certain thing or that certain thing or look this certain way in order for people to, to feel some type of way about us, to have our validation from them, that's not serving God. That's serving that man. And that's something that we have to take a step back from. We have to realize is that our validation is in Christ Jesus. Our, our identity is in Christ Jesus. We don't need to worry about trying to dress up like some woman as a guy or some man as a girl. 
and worrying about getting validated through the government or through political powers or things like that. We get it from Christ Jesus. And so it's hard to, to try to be real when you're always looking for somebody else to validate whether or not you are. And I, like I said, I struggled with that for the longest time. And then the, within that, the only way that you can really be genuine and really be loved and, um, is to be vulnerable. To open up yourself to allow yourself to be corrected. To say, hey, look, here I am. Take me as I am. You know, correct me and guide me. When you open up yourself to God, you allow yourself to be vulnerable to God, then he can correct you. The Holy Spirit can correct you and guide you into his wholeness and his grace. And those are things that we have to, to grasp hold of. We have to. So we, we will get caught up on not being realistic with God about what's going on in our life like we can really hide it from him. Come, come on, you really think you can hide something from God? What's all those fancy omni words? Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, all them things. Like, you really think you can hide something from a person that created you? I, don't, I, I love uh, watching James. The other, other night, he, he took some marshmallows out, and he took them to his mom, and she gave him a marshmallow, and he ate it and put the, put the bag back, and he uh, gets the bag again and tries to hand it to her. She says, no. You know, mama's looking out for James's teeth. No, that's going to hurt your belly. So then he takes the marshmallow bag, like any good child, he runs to daddy. Daddy, marshmallows. No, your mama said no. So I put it on the chair. Well, lo and behold, somehow, some way, James had got this marshmallow bag for the first time he's ever done this and ran to his bedroom, and he's eating all these marshmallows. <laughs> he, comes in the, in the, he comes in the living room. <laughs> And his mom is livid, I'm livid, you know, it just, it was not a pretty sight. But <laughs> I had, I, he had tried his best to hide it from us. He had come from behind the chair, really, I was like. And <laughs> he thought he could hide these things from us, and he couldn't. And it's because he's a child, and children are, you know, most of the time they're helpless, but they're helpless. They need help from an adult, guidance and instruction. And we're the same way with our father. We can't hide behind the chair with our mouth full of sin and our lives full of sin and try to think that it's okay just because our father in Christ said, nah, nah, you can't have that. And then we go over here to the world and look at the secular view and they're like, oh, absolutely, that's good for you. Sure thing. And then we go ahead and absorb that. We can't do that. We have to open up ourselves to be vulnerable in Christ. And I think that's something inside the church that a lot of people have trouble doing as well because we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable just as much to step out from the pew to come to the altar to pray. There's nobody that's beyond coming out to this altar to pray. Everybody has something going on in life that is worth praying about or praising about, one or the other. And it's best to do it at the altar. So we're, we're too worried about the thought of what happens or what might happen if we step out and be vulnerable. Oh, well, you know, Betty Sue might think this about me. Or Robert, there's not Robert here, is there? Robert might be like, uh, you know, I don't think I like her anymore. Just whatever. Oh, I'm sorry, but, uh, <laughs> but we're, so, we're so worried about what somebody else may think that we're not willing to step out and be vulnerable and open up ourselves. We're terrible for doing that as ministers. 
Oh, man, it ministers in the church. Um, I'm not speaking directly about Pastor Aaron. <laughs> but, I mean, as a minister, you try to bottle up and hide so much because you're worried about what your flock or whatever, you know, the people are that you're leading and instructing may think of you. But it just shows that you're human. That's all it does. It just shows that you're human, that you're, you fall under the same subject of the law that God has outlined for everybody else. Now, yes, we're held to a higher standard for the accountability of teaching. But, however, we're still human. And so that's something that we struggle with is, is just open up ourselves and allowing, allowing us to be an open book so we can share each other's burdens and we can help lift each other up in prayer. So 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, I believe Mr. Brian's got that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for, for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's God's grace. When we open up ourselves and allow ourselves to be vulnerable and show our weaknesses, show our struggles, show our hardships, it allows, us, it allows God to operate in our life, and we're able to operate under his grace. <laughs> I'm going to throw my wife out there one time. I love her to death. So, but she, uh, <laughs> she struggles with always hiding her facial expressions like right now. Um, she, can <laughs> she can tell you that, you know, no, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me, and her face will say one complete opposite thing, and it's, it's just a dead giveaway. And she's always, she's always battled with that, but it's not a bad thing. It's good because she's genuine. When she tells you, she's telling you one thing, but she's at least trying to show you another. And, and I respect that and I appreciate that about her is because she, she'll tell me what I want to hear out of love, but necessarily show me what's right and the truth out of her facial expressions. And that's something that we have to realize as well. Just because we may say one thing, our actions and our bodily movements or whatever it is that we choose to do next will show the truth and who we are. So we, we must understand that we open up ourselves, we're, we become vulnerable, we show all this mess that we got going on in our closets. Real love is absolutely messy. To love somebody genuinely is absolutely a, a, it's a mess. And marriage is the perfect example of it. There is no, well, I'm, I think I'm perfect in marriage, but there's no perfect person in the marriage. There's no perfect person in the marriage, and you have to learn to love each other's mess. There's things that you find out about each other that bothers you that you had no idea <laughs> until you get married. Which, young people, that's why we really, really press <laughs> that you wait until marriage because you really find out who you're married to. Um, real love is messy. It's, that's what makes, makes it beautiful is that we're not, we're not holding anything back. You know, you, I watch them little TikToks where like these women, they'll wipe off three or four pounds and two inches of makeup and then they look like a whole different person. And I'm like, wow, like what in the world? Like they'll have like their triple 10, whatever that is right there. I'm like, I need to have mine. <laughs> and I have no idea how they do it. But they're trying to hide who they truly are. And then eventually it comes out. And they're, 
to me, I mean, the beauty's on the inside, of course, but like they're, they're beautiful either way. They're a beautiful person. Getting to know their personality would probably be a whole different ballpark. But they try to hide themselves so much physically that it you, makes you question who they are genuinely on the inside. And we can't do that. We need to be our, our, the real mess that we are. We need to be the real mess of love that we are so we can be genuine. Um, my third point that I want to bring to you is that we're covered by grace. I said up here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, is that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You're covered by grace. God's got you covered. Whatever it may be, God's got you covered. It's, it's something that um, I have to remind myself of constantly. That is, uh, I battled anxiety in case some of you didn't know for a while. And whenever I finally realized that it's God's grace that's got me, I was able to overcome a lot of things inside my own personal life. Because it's God's grace that makes everything that we do or try to do that the Bible instructs us whole. It brings everything back together. Yeah, you can't always love everybody as much as possible when they're telling you that, you know, you're trash or they don't like you right now or whatever, you're being out of, out of line. Yeah, it's hard to love somebody then. Absolutely. But you still are being genuine, and then it's God's grace that's got you covered. So you're, you're, you're instructing these things out of God's grace because it's, it's Jesus' perfect love that makes everything whole. So, and like I said, we can accomplish these demands of the Bible because we are covered by God's grace. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. I think, I think we got that up there, Mr. Brian. Second Corinthians verses, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. And I'm going to run through this real quick. Is that working, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I, help, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we command ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, golly, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness. Hold on, I got a page flip here, I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and, the, and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, our, our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted in your own affections. In return, widen your hearts also. So it tells us at the beginning of that scripture is that we, we, can, we do not receive the grace of God in vain. We don't receive the grace of God in vain. So 
the, the grace of God has got us covered. And we're talking about authenticity today, being real, being genuine. And you guys can kind of tell that I talk, if you've talked to me out inside the foyer or amongst the, the open and public, I usually talk the same way I'm talking right now up here. Um, and I don't say it's the way God made me because he's always working on me. He's always correcting me. But however, it's, it's the testimony that I have. Is that who I am? And I, I try to be as real as I can be. And that's the way I live my life. Because when the people that I go to minister to, <laughs> I, I've, I've met people in their, in their dips. I've met addicts, crackheads, all different kinds of people you can think of. And there's nobody that can call out a phony quicker than the people that can sense it. They can tell you real quick. Oh, yeah, they can find out if you're, if you're the real deal or if you're fake. They're so used to running from people and so used to running from uh, undercover police and all these different people that they understand what's real and what's not. And it's hard to minister to somebody when you're not being yourself, when you're not being who God called you to be, who God created you to be. And you have to learn how to work underneath these, these operations that God's given us and the authority of Jesus in the Bible. You have to learn how to work inside that fully to be able to minister effectively to this lost and dying world. So whenever you realize that God's grace has got you covered, it should help bring back to memory the testimony that God's given you. If you've been saved and if the Lord has dealt with your heart, that you have a testimony that God has gave you. He brought you through that testimony to help create your authentic praise, your real praise. The praise that you lean, you, you hold on tight to and think about where he's brought you from. And he sees your heart. And that praise in your heart, that anointing, that oil that you got, it came at a high price. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I think about where God brought me from and how, how much it had, it had cost me to press in to get where I'm at to be able to minister effectively and just show the love that I can to people. And it cost me a lot, personally. And that's something that we have to hold on t- tight to. Love is messy. Like I said, it is it's messy to love and minister to, to those people we were just talking about. Addicts, you know, whatever else, prostitutes. I mean, people that may hate us, <laughs> that drunk uncle at your family reunion, whatever it may be. It's hard to minister to those people, and it's, it's kind of messy. But the Bible tells us that... Through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet true. As known and well-known, dying and behold, we live as punished, yet not killed. So you might be living as punished, but you're not killed. So you can thank the Lord for another day, and you can say, hey, I did my job. I was real. I showed them genuine love that, that, that Christ Jesus showed me when I was in the depths of hell, when I was out there sinning and doing things that I wasn't supposed to do. That's the same type of love that you're supposed to show somebody else. I, I tell people often when they're like, Justin, you know, what is, what is grace? Well, I offer much grace because I require much grace. That's just the truth of, that's just the, truth of the matter. I, I offer much grace because I require much grace. You can't give something out of measure until you've received it yourself. So um, in closing... God's called us to be real. God has called us to be the real you. He didn't call us to be twist and shouts. (laughs) 
He didn't, he didn't call you to be the great value brand. He didn't call you to be whatever else you may think that you want to be. He's called you to be yourself. And he'll put them pieces together amongst you. Um, we were talking about at the very beginning that something that's authentic gives off a sweet aroma. You have a label. You have a, a reliable source and things of sort. Well... I want to I wanna kind of lean back in on that. Like I said, the end times are at hand. There's false prophets all around. False prophets everywhere. Um, Jeremiah was a prophetess of the Bible who was a true prophet. And the Lord told Jeremiah, hey, look, these false prophets are prophesying lies and giving false visions in his name and out of their own minds. Well, how do you distinguish a, tr a true prophet? Well, if you got the Holy Spirit working inside of your life, you'll sense it. You'll smell something that don't smell quite right. You'll see a source that ain't really reliable. And then lastly, you'll, you'll kind of see the label that's on their head that they're trying to obtain. And you'll realize, well, maybe what they're saying isn't quite right. Maybe they're leading me astray. True prophets are motivated by loyalty to God above all else, whereas false prophets are motivated by self-interest and desire to be popular among the people. That sounds like a lot of folk I know. They look, they go online, they put up a photo to try to get as many likes as possible or whatever it is be, you know, as many followers, subscribers. And they just look to be favorable among people. There's nothing wrong with people liking you. But that's losing focus of what God's called us to be. Jeremiah foretold the grim truth of coming of desolation upon Jerusalem. The false prophets promised peace. Naturally, the people of Judah preferred the pleasant messages over the false prophets. Don't tell us what is right. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. And we know what happened shortly after that. It didn't go over too well. They listened to those false prophets, and they continued on about their journey. Um, you can't be faking and expect to produce real fruit. You can't be, you can't be rooted and tell people that you're rooting inside the Bible and go out here and do another thing and expect that the fruits that God's called you to produce to be, to be flavorful, to be real. People can see it. I mean, there's, there's plenty of saints out there that can understand and see what you're going through. Once again, we're authenticity. I love art. When uh, we go to Disney World, I go to that fancy art store they got, and I look at the prices, and I'm like, ooh. But I love art, and I love looking at it, and I love thinking about what's what. And then I usually go down just a little bit further from that fancy art store, and they got the same photo. And that same photo is usually about $9. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> this is it. This is my time. But not all art is authentic. See, God's created you just as the Kids Revival taught us this week to be a masterpiece. And art is authenticated by a signed certificate or statement of authenticity from a respected authority or an expert on the artist. Art is authenticated by an exhibition or gallery sticker that is attached to art. There's a label on it. Art is authenticated by a statement, either verbal or written from the artist, and original gallery sales receipt or receipt directly from the artist. It's also a film or a recording of the artist talking about the art, an appraisal from a recognized authority or expert on the artist, and then verbal information is related 
to by someone familiar familiar with the art or who knows the artist and who is qualified to speak authoritatively about the art. I just told you guys the same thing that Pastor Amber was telling you about this week, that you're a masterpiece. So the art I want to talk about this week is you guys, me, us. We're a masterpiece, and we talked about being genuine and authentic. And I want to talk about who the artist is just for a little bit, is that if we look at the science certificate or statement of authenticity, whenever we become saved, that science certificate is our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. Um, when we look at the sticker that's attached to the art, it's, we're labeled saved, we're labeled redeemed, children of God. When we look at the film or recording of the artist talking about the art, could you imagine what it would be like to hear what God has to say about you? Whether it be good or bad, you know, you would want to know. You would say, hey, what am I doing wrong? We would want to know the golden ticket to get to heaven. What do I need to do, Lord? We'd want to know. And I would, I would love to see a video of God, you know, saying, hey, Justin, or here. Him say, hey, this is, this is my son. This is my child. This is who he is. He's, he's real. Um, and then the verbal information is related by someone who's familiar or who knows the artist and qualified to speak authoritatively about them. That's Jesus. Jesus speaks on behalf of God and the Holy Spirit. So you're a masterpiece. God's created you to be that. He's created you to be the real you. He's created you to be genuine. If there's anybody in this church and I'm not, the, I'm not the pastor, once again, I'm the youth pastor, but however, if there's anybody in this church that thinks differently about you just because you're being yourself, then so be it. You just continue to be yourself because you don't get your validation from them. Any, anybody on the outside of these four walls, anybody in public, you're trying to be the real you, you don't look for validation from them. You got validation from Christ. And that's what God's called us to be. God's called us to be genuine with our love. He's called us to be genuine with our Christianity. He's called us to be genuine with how we're walking and talking in public. It says a lot about you. That speaks the most. I can get up here and say all the fancy words I want to say. But if you see me out in public doing another thing, it's all irrelevant. It's all, all out the door. Everything. And so my challenge for you is I'm up here asking you to get real with your relationship with God. I'm asking you to get real with your worship. I'm asking you to get real with how you carry your life. Whatever it may be. Because once you do, you produce real fruit. You produce those riches and you produce that financial peace, that, that inner peace, that whatever it may be that you're looking for, that comfort, that well-knowing, you know, or well-being spirit that the Lord has put inside of you, knowing that, hey, it's that you, if you live, that's awesome. That if you die, it's gain. And it's just... It's amazing to me that when you become more real in your relationship with God is that it's the more comfortable, you know, you become amongst the church and amongst the body of believers and amongst just ministering. I know a lot of folk that just don't feel comfortable ministering out in public. And we'll have to answer for that one day. If you see somebody that tug is on your heart and you're like, Lord, I really want to go share the gospel to them and you don't, then... That's something that you'll have to say, hey, Lord, I didn't know what to do. Why don't you just be yourself? Why don't you just go up there and just be who you 
God's called you to be. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm up here asking you to do, is just get, to get real, to let your love be authentic for not only people, but your relationship with God. Once again, the sweet aroma that you would get off would just be awesome. And the label that would be placed upon you is like, you know, hey, he's a he's all right guy. She's all right girl. And people would know when they're in trouble, they can come to you. Why? Because Romans 12, chapter nine tells us that our love be genuine, that when somebody does something evil to us, we do something good. We bless those who curse us. I struggle. I, I'm still human. I struggle with that. But I try my best each and every day to get better. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. I thank you, Lord, for just always being the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. I thank you, Lord, for the, the love that you had, Lord, that was just undefiled, Lord, for me and for each and every person. I pray, Father God, that you just continue to bless us, Lord, and that you just continue to take us further, Lord, to allow us to minister more effectively, Lord, to allow us to minister more efficiently, Lord, to move, Lord, and just to spread your gospel to each end of the world, Father, Lord. But let us do it out of a pure heart. Let us open up and be vulnerable to you, Holy Spirit, that you may come in and correct us and guide us and allow us to, to just show you what we need to do inside of our lives, Father. So show you, Lord, and you, you correct us, Father, Lord, to, to complete your perfect will. I pray, Father, Lord, that everything, Lord, that is said this morning, Father, Lord, that you just, it falls on fresh soil, Father, Lord, and that it just cultivates in the heart and the minds of your people. I pray, Lord, that nothing that was done this morning, Lord, was done out of edification, Lord, of self, Lord, but all for the glory of your name, just to magnify who you are, Jesus. We love you. We give you praise, Lord. And we, we pray, Father, Lord, for the, the genuine people that are there. And I, I just, once again, thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to share your love, to share your gospel. And I, I just give you all the glory and praise. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you once again, Lord, for the opportunity to speak and for these, this body of believers, Lord, this beautiful congregation. I pray, Lord, that you just touch each and every person that was here this morning and those that couldn't be here. I pray, Lord, that we go throughout this week, Lord, just loving genuinely, Lord, and loving, Lord, whatever may be messy and whatever may be beautiful. I give you glory for this day. I give you glory for your people. And I just worship you in your fullness. Keep us safe and bring us back safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.